0: hey Hey, mystics it's your girl andrea and i'm shelby valentine welcome to mystic medicine where we have conscious conversations around healing expansion and the messy reality of being human this podcast supports your ascension discussing everything spirituality energetics manifestation shamanism and so much more join our tribe of mystics in healing the collective and serving medicine one One podcast podcast at a time. time
1: back to another episode of mystic medicine formerly the love love this is your girl andrea and this is shelby valentine we have one of the best topics i think thus far on this episode brought to you for you by you well not for no (laughs) for you by shelby I am taking Shelby's amazing program Body Speak all about falling radically in love with the body that you are currently in and let me tell you guys after just one day it has already been such a game changer and our very first day was all about the inner critic and Shelby is such a pro in this and so good at explaining it so this is going to be a very Shelby centric episode so Shelby
0: hello mama hi um I'm so happy that you are already experiencing shifts. And I think that it's it's something that I feel like in the healing space isn't talked about, like how quickly things can shift. I feel like there's a lot of talk around like, I'll always deal with this and like healing is in layers. And while all of that is true, one call, one course, one podcast, one quote, one aha moment has the capacity to, to shift things for you yep that was
1: body speak immediately after it was like such a different how I saw myself in the mirror pre-body speak call and post body speak call was boom bam it's happening I understand where where this voice is coming from and mm-hmm. I can address it with love and compassion instead of hatred and like fear honestly yeah. fear of my inner critic so body speak is amazing if you do it again if you decide to do Body Speak Again, Shelbs, then please join Body Speak. But wow. in the meantime, this juicy content is coming to you guys for free on this podcast. So share it with anyone that has an inner critic, whether it be yourself, your child, your sister, your mother, your brother.
0: Yeah, it's like every it's like everybody.
1: Everyone has such an inner critic.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that like I think it's 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 a very universal theme.
1: Yes. Yeah. And we don't talk about it enough. People don't talk about how much their own inner critic is guiding and like running the show, which is one of the things you asked in body speak, right? Like who's driving? Yeah. Yeah. So can we start off with an explanation of what is the inner critic? Because I feel like a lot of us have this question around like, oh, is this my inner inner critic? Or is this my intuition? Is this my guides? It, like, what is it?
0: Yeah yeah (laughs) um so the way i describe the inner critic it's it's a part of self it's an aspect of self um it is a protective mechanism it's part of the ego structure um and it's basically the voice inside your head um that is feeding you disempowering thoughts um in Body Speak, we talk about it specific to body, um, but it could be anything. It's it's the inner critic telling you that you're not successful enough, you don't make enough money, you're not worthy because you don't have a partner, you're not pretty enough, your boobs aren't big enough, you're, I don't know, the inner, you're not far enough along in your career or your business, you're not clean enough, like it's just, it's, it's the critic. It's, it's the critic that is operating um, inside of our psyches that are feeding us disempowering thoughts. And um, your point, I think the, the thing that I like loves teaching, I think the most is just how to distinguish what is ego and what is soul or intuition or your highest self. Um, and it's that your soul will never feed you a disempowering thought. It just won't. So uh, that's how you know. That's how you know if it's another aspect of the ego or, um, you know, the inner critic's pretty easy to spot. It's like, it's like that voice that's like being a bitch to you. And you're like, I don't even know what to do with this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's sit with that for a second, because so many of us are like, this is my intuition or this is my like psychic ability. Mm -hmm. And you said something in the first call of body speak that I thought was really important, where if it feels like. Fire, run, mm. now, urgency, that's not, that's not your highest self.
0: Yeah. That's not
1: your intuition. And it's definitely not your guides or, or helping spirits. It's this lower frequency. And there is no sense of urgency mm. that comes with fear that will come from your guides or your highest self. Even okay. if it's like, okay, we got to do this now like, let's do this now, it's never coming with an underlying foundation of fear, which I think a lot of what comes through with the inner critic is, oh, my boobs are too small. And I'm scared that I'm unlovable because of this. Yes. Or I can't speak my mind because nobody cares what I have to say. And I'm scared of being rejected or being humiliated. There's this deep underlying root of othering as well, right? Like creating this distance and separation, that will never come from your intuition. Your intuition will never guide you astray when it comes to like sharing information. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you or harm you where it feels like your inner critic is very like there is harm in this. Yeah. (laughs) There is immediate danger.
0: For sure. And your intuition has no emotional charge. You know, messages from your intuition, it's like subtle, it's subtle sensing. It's not um, emotionally charged. So I think that it's important to understand the inner critic um, and why it exists. So, you know, basically it is present when our attachment needs are not met in early childhood or in childhood. Um, When neglect or abuse um, was present, then that's a prime environment for an inner critic to Um, emerge and show up in one's experience and it's a very natural protective ego ego response to not getting our needs met Um, it is a mechanism that the ego kind of like gifts us to keep us safe it's basically trying to change oneself to get the need met uh, which is not being met uh, currently So it could lead to perfectionism. It could lead to um, just knowing that you're never good enough, constantly trying to change or adapt or people please trying to morph. Um, It's that voice that is trying to get your need met and the state becomes a trait. So the, the more that we are in the state of constant criticism and constant uh, trying to change oneself, it just becomes like a way of being. And um, it can be triggered by intense emotional experiences, by fear, by um, flashbacks, uh, any symptom of, of PTSD. So the, the inner critic can be triggered if there is any um, like C, like diagnosed CPTSD present. It could just be online even louder if you're having like a flashback or something that like a flashback associated with your PTSD. Um, and yeah, it's it's really dangerous. It's very dysregulating to our nervous systems and to our bodies to be spoken to in a disempowering way. Um, our inner children are hearing it. Our nervous system is hearing it. And um, it's, it's really dangerous to kind of let our inner critic run wild in the background and for a lot of us we don't even realize that it's running on a loop on this very low volume but it takes a real toll on our physical health or mental health or spiritual health if this inner critic is constantly feeding us disempowering thoughts um and also often if you grew up with a parent who was hypercritical of you um you will just internalize the voice and it becomes so normal that it feels unsafe to your system to not have the inner critic present. So my question to people and to clients is, what what is your inner critic afraid might happen if it's not constantly criticizing you? Um, because it can be foreign territory, you know, um, if you grew up in a household where you were constantly being criticized.
1: Yeah. My inner critic sounds like my mom.
0: Yeah. That's really, it's like that's really common. Legit her voice. It's um, weird.
1: Which is so funny because in retrospect, I find that a lot of the things that I criticize about myself weren't actually things that she criticized about me, but she criticized about herself.
0: Ah, it's, it's kind of funny because we feel like we're so separate, right? We forget that we're so connected, but, um, like we basically have the same core wounding. It's like one of like seven, six things, um, The most common inner criticisms are you're bad, you're ugly, you're fat, Um, you know, taking fat as a negative word. I'm not saying it's a negative word, but that is like universally like an abusive word that's been used to weaponize ourselves. um, And most people associate that with something very, very negative. Um, You're ugly, you're unworthy, you're unlovable, and you don't belong. Like you're different and you don't belong so those are those are the common inner criticisms at the root behind everything so on the surface it could be like um you're you're so messy like you're you're so you're so messy for example like if the dishes have piled up or something and then underneath that it's like okay well what does being messy mean and it's like you're lazy and like what does being lazy mean like what did mom think about lazy people? Oh, like, lazy people are not lovable. They're like pieces of shit. (laughs) Like, then it's like, I'm not worthy. So just kind of like, on the surface, the inner criticism might not be you look in the mirror and you say you're unlovable. Um, But if you kind of go down a layer, down a layer, down a layer, what does this mean? What am I making this mean? What do I feel like this means? It's usually like, I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I don't belong.
1: Hmm, that does feel so accurate and as you were listing those off i was like oh yeah check oh check oh yeah that one too yeah and it really is interesting the more people that i work with the more that i find that this is is, it is so common and we are all working through a lot of the same issues which you think would bring us a little bit more compassion and understanding but i think it's we're focusing too much on the othering
0: yeah and it's it's also common that if you have a really loud inner critic voice, then it will be externalized, and you'll be very hypercritical of other people. Um, so that's another kind of way to recognize, because a lot of times yeah. we're aware of like the outward expression of the of the critic, but we're so used to the voice running inside our head that we don't even notice it's there. So yeah. I I sometimes have have one on one clients write down disempowering thoughts that pop in and they'll be like i can't believe that like it's so frequent just because
1: mm-hmm.
0: if we're not shining a light on it it's just kind of running and it, mm-hmm. it becomes like our norm
1: yeah, yeah. i was reading uh Brene brown's book daring greatly oh. and phenomenal book highly recommend good book And she was talking about how people who have the loudest inner critic are also those who are highly critical of other people. And so when we get criticized and receive this criticism from other people, she went from anger and frustration and like, how dare you, to compassion and understanding that like, wow, their inner critic must be so loud for them that they're externalizing it and pointing fingers at other people. Oh, yeah. I would love for you to break down the different inner critics in the different parts. So I don't remember all of them. I remember the one that resonated the most for me, which was the firefighter. Because it, when you explained that, it was this huge aha moment. And I think that that was my biggest breakthrough was understanding the like firefighter complex Mm -hmm. and then it just like all fell into place so do you mind going through those
0: yeah i was explaining the ego structure and uh through the frame of ifs internal family systems um which is also commonly called parts work and the inner critic can fits into this framework um, but really looking at the different types of protective parts through um, the lens of IFS is really helpful in just like mapping your experience and understanding what parts are online and why. Um, so the three main parts, according to Internal Family Systems Therapy, is, are the exiles, which are the younger parts of self um, that hold emotions, vulnerabilities, needs, and memories, that went ignored or unresolved or rejected and as a result we exile them so these are like our neglected parts they're usually in our subconscious uh it's the parts in in our shadow it's the parts that we have learned are unacceptable and therefore we put them away this could be big emotions this could be sexuality this could be your power this could be um it could be anything just depending on your upbringing and like your the way that you were nurtured growing up um in your early childhood and kind of what you learned based on your programming um the second primary category are managers and these are the ones that keep us going and moving they are the compartmentalizers um they are the ones that allow us to perhaps show up for work even if we're going through a breakup um they can be healthy or unhealthy and um, I like that example because being able to compartmentalize is a good manager skill, but constant pressure or perfectionism is like taking that to the extreme. And um, that is kind of like a shadowy um, aspect of a manager. And that's a manager kind of expressing in a shadowy or unhealthy way. Um, But managers are not there. No, no, no parts are bad. That's kind of the um, overarching principle of IFS. It's that all parts are good. Um, but some are detrimental to our health and some are not, uh, just like objectively speaking, but all of them serve a specific purpose. And we have to be so grateful for each of them because they're online for a very specific reason and it's all to protect us. Um, and then firefighters, like you were talking about, they're the extreme versions of managers. So they're the ones that act impulsively and they emerge from a desperation, uh, to make pain or perceived threat or hurt go away. Um, and some examples are, you know, addictions, eating disorders, completely shutting down, dissociation, self-destruction. Um, you know, firefighters online when it's very urgent, like you said, and, um, something triggers you, your nervous system goes into overdrive and immediately it's like, we need a buffering behavior because we're not going to feel that thing. And this is, a prime example of when you know I work with a lot of people with like binging or addiction this is like where that would come in um, where it feels so unsafe to actually feel the emotion or actually go there and process the thing based on past experiences that you're going to be gifted a firefighter being like here do this thing instead um, and I work a lot with people with eating disorders so binging is such a low-hanging fruit it's like there's food everywhere it's easy. It's quick. And you do not have to feel this thing because you're going to feel so fucking uncomfortable, um, or the dopamine response or the adrenaline, like you're going to feel so many other things. And it's a brilliant coping mechanism to not actually deal with the actual thing. And, um, what really helped me heal my eating disorders were looking at it like a brilliant coping mechanism. And to I've written so many thank you letters to my addictions and eating disorders because I'm like I could not have processed that trauma I would have combusted at the time um and so instead somehow my psyche gave me this and instead of looking at it like the enemy you know whatever you're dealing with um you know addiction coping mechanisms you know hypersexuality like what whatever it is Netflix overspending um there's so many coping mechanisms that we have it's like it's there for a reason and Mm -hmm. when I when I kind of like got on the same team as the part of me that um had an eating disorder like to get on the same team as the eating disorder and be like oh like you actually are on my team as painful as this is um you know, being able to look at it like, wow, okay, this saved my life in many ways. It really changed everything for me.
1: Yeah. I've talked about this before on the on the podcast. In its time and its place, alcohol served its purpose for me. Mm-hmm. I did not jump out of a building because alcohol kept me yeah. in some form content in that moment. Yeah. Everyone here, though. And I'm making this assumption because, of course, if you're listening, if you're spending your time engaging in in activities such as listening to personal development and spiritual podcasts, you have some intent to grow and expand. And so everyone who's here is at the point where these systems are no longer working. Yes. And they're breaking down and you're realizing that they are, in fact, harmful for you in this moment, in this current iteration and evolution of yourself. There's no shame around this. And I think that that's a big thing that we have to take away, especially around the inner critic, because we have these thoughts of like, oh, I suck. I'm dumb, I'm not good enough. Uh And then we have shame for feeling these thoughts. And so we're not discussing them and we're not creating and finding solutions for ourselves to evolve. So how would you and how do you work with your inner critic? And how have you come to this working relationship because the inner critic doesn't fully go away mm-hmm. or does it for you
0: i think it can
1: yeah i haven't okay for me it hasn't fully gone away yeah yeah there's, there's still moments where it comes up for sure for sure but there's there's like ways you can work with the inner critic recognizing that like you said it's just here to keep you safe it's just trying yeah. to keep you safe Mm-hmm.
0: The antidote to the inner critic is creating safety in the body and regulating the nervous system, not in a, like, regulating the nervous system day to day, but also going back to all of your big T traumas and, like, healing them to completion. That's the antidote. So we can, like, work on the surface and regulate, but but it's really, like, looking at your life and looking at your specific personal material and... Going back and processing them and feeling them through to completion, in whatever you know way feels appropriate to you. So, like tools I've used are plant medicine, um, somatic release, breath work, goddess yoga, energy healing. Um, you know, different different modalities to actually like allow your body to process them to completion, um, to create a base of your nervous system that is safe. So the more work you do with your traumas, with your big T traumas, the safer you're going to feel and the less your inner critic is going to need to be there because you will just feel safer. Um, And so I talk about this a lot, but it's like creating safety. And that's such a big job. I burned my entire life down and moved across the country to create safety for myself. And I've invested like close to $80,000 on my healing, which I know most people can't do. So it's like, it's like, it's not like an overnight thing. Creating nervous system safety is, um, a process and it takes time because nervous system change is supposed to take time and, um, creating safety in your life, in your habits, in the way you eat, in your hormones, in your gut, in your cells, in your lymph, in your, um, like energetic body in your environment in your finances in the people you're around in your relationships in your community and where you live like creating safety is a big task um, but there's always small things that you can do so um, creating safety for yourself and looking at all the areas that you are feeling unsafe it could be if you're an empath and not having the tools it could be living in a city it could be your job it could be uh, not having b- a boundaried relationship with family members that are constantly dysregulating you. It could be your romantic relationship. It could be um, things that you don't necessarily have direct control over, right? Like living in the world. It could be, um, you know, your financial situation. We talk about this a lot. Like it really, really matters. Um, you know, how safe you feel in your finances, how safe your route feels, There's just, like, so much that goes into creating safety for yourself. Um, But a dysregulated nervous system is, like, a prime place for the inner critic to come in. Um, Dysregulated nervous system creates dysregulated thoughts. The inner critic is a dysregulated thought form. Um, Or it's, like, a a mechanism that's feeding you dysregulated thoughts. So as much as you can, like, regulate yourself um, and create safety for yourself, with your daily routines and your daily rituals and who you surround yourself with and your boundaries and, you know, all that stuff, taking excellent care of yourself. That's like so important. And then also not bypassing all like the, the big T trauma, like the things that are happening. Like I could go out into the world and have road rage or something, or like something triggers me and I come home and I do breath work and I regulate, but that's more like surface level stuff. At the root, our nervous system, it's, it's not going to be, like, our baseline is not going to be ventral if we don't go back and deal with our actual traumas that are un- incomplete. So those are, like, the two things. But in the conscious state, um, you know, questioning your thoughts and being aware that your inner critic is not you. It's a part of you, but it's not you. Not taking it on as I am. Not letting your ego attach to it and taking it on as your identity. So questioning any disempowering thought that comes in aggressively and fiercely. That's how I say it. Like You have to question all of your thoughts because they're not fucking true. No thought is more true than another thought. So if I say, I'm fat, or like, that's a bad one. There's so much around that word. I'm I'm ugly. And then I say, I'm beautiful. Both thoughts are equally as true. We literally choose. There's no objective thought that's true or not. Um, not really when it comes to like our self image. Um, so questioning your thoughts. Can you walk me through?
1: So let's say I'm having a thought around. I don't belong. Yeah. Can you can you walk me through questioning that thought?
0: For sure. We can even take it take it further or like take it a few up. So like give me a scenario that you felt like you don't belong that you were were triggered in.
1: I was sitting in a medicine circle with a lot of very beautiful, powerful healers and people that I believed were more enlightened and more aware and conscious than myself. Yeah. And I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like starting with the trigger, like, oh, I'm feeling really uncomfortable. And then I would just be like, okay, why? Why am I feeling like that? um and then you you said like i i feel like i don't belong so you you're getting to like the core belief and the emotional charge is feeling what what's the emotion that comes with that
1: um i would say fear anxiety frustration and discomfort
0: yeah so those are the emotional that's the emotional charge that's related to a past experience where there was a need that was unmet or an incomplete cycle. Um, so it's like, okay, I'm emotionally charged. Um, I, I know the, the limiting belief that is present here. I don't belong. And starting with the thought to just like work at the conscious level, um, I would start with just questioning the thought. So I don't belong. Is it true? And you can you can be honest. You could say like maybe. Like is it true? That you didn't uh, belong there?
1: No, I mean I was invited there, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. And then I it, the next question, and these are adapted from um, Byron Katie's work. The the next question is am I 100% sure it's true? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um Like, can you be a thousand percent sure without a shadow of doubt that it's true? If your answer to the first question is maybe, yeah. Um, Who are you when you believe you don't belong? Who are you showing up as?
1: You want me to answer these as I'm going? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. This is like super vulnerable. Oh, my God. You
0: don't have to then. (laughs) No, no, no. Now
1: I want to. Now I want to. I I think that this is so important for us, right? Like if we have this platform and people are listening, I think it's a great way to show
0: up. I, I have to do this too. Like obviously. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, when I believe I don't belong in this moment, I am showing up as a deluded version of myself Mm. and someone who is in self-service of licking my wounds, as opposed to service to others, which is what the purpose is for these medicine circles.
0: Wow. Yeah. That was like really deep. (laughs) No, it's beautiful. What is a more empowering thought? I
1: am in the... I am in this place because I belong here in this moment, mm. and I am wanted. Mm-hmm. This was a big one for me to swallow, just because oh. I was Im- i was invited, like I was like yeah. specifically invited—and mm. so I was struggling with this. I was also in a much lower income bracket than everyone else, and that mm. felt very present for me as well.
0: Yeah, when you believe that empowering thought. Who do you show up as? A boss bitch. Yeah. I'm unfuckable. I'm unfuckable. Unfuckable. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. 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 And if you even, like, feel into your body right now, and I'll just, like, play your, your inner voice, like, what happens in your body when I say, you do not belong here, you don't make enough money as these people, you... Like, why are you even here? Nobody wants you here. What happens to your body? I just
1: feel myself. <laughs> I'm like
0: sinking what? in. <laughs> this is hard for me to say. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Our bodies respond to our words. Yeah. And then if I were to say, you are such a queen. Like, you belong in the circle. You add value to every single person in the circle. And everyone is so glad that you're here.
1: Warm bubbles. Yeah. I feel warm bubbles. Yeah. It also it funny enough, it resonates as truth mm-hmm. a lot more than the negative, but yeah. yet the negative feels so familiar that we yeah. take it as truth. Totally. Because this is our this is our this is our go to programming. And so because it's something that we're constantly hearing, I mean it must be true. I hear it every day. Even though in our body it really doesn't sit as truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The thing that I do thought work um, around the most is not so much like about. I mean, it is about me, but I do it with business all the time. We you have to in your business all the time. Um,
1: what does that look like for you?
0: Um, a thought is you should be in multiple six figures by now.
1: <sighs> mm-hmm.
0: Like you, you should you should be there, and you're not really trying hard enough to get there (laughs) like okay you should be further ahead than you are
1: can you walk us through that process with you
0: yeah so I would say is it is it true no I make the rules I make uh, I make I make the goals um and then it would be am I 100% sure it's true and it would be like no it's not it's not true um it's only true if I want it to be true and who am I when I believe I should be there I'm rushing. I'm feeling like an imposter, even though nobody else views me as an imposter. I am not showing up as big for my clients um, and my community. I'm not showing up as boldly. I'm forcing things. I'm trying to um, calculate money which i don't do i like don't really care i don't really care this is the thing (laughs) i don't really fucking care um but there's that voice that's like you should care you should really care um and then it's like who what's a more empowering thought i am a successful business owner and i love my lifestyle and i love my clients and i love my business and my growth is going to happen in divine timing and it's okay if financial um exponential growth is not my priority right now mm-hmm. and then who do I, yeah who do I get to be when I own that I just get to own my business I just get to own who I am I get to enjoy my life I get to continue working not that much which I don't fucking want to <laughs> like I get to, I get to be more appreciative of what I have which goes out the window if I'm wanting more and more and more um yeah, I just get to be so much more at peace when I believe mm-hmm. that. Um, that's why it's like so important to question our thoughts, because I'm not making enough. I'm like I'm not where I should be, and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Neither one is more true than the other. It's just a conscious choice. And I used to hear people say that and think it was bullshit. I'm like that's so stupid. And I think that coaches that only work with beliefs and not the subconscious are like missing a huge part of it and like not it but it really does matter what thoughts we're feeding ourselves consciously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Also we're learning so much. There's so much science coming out now about neuroplasticity and being able to literally rewire your brain and rewire your processes and what we're thinking is making a huge um, difference. And so if we're running on these same loops of negative self-talk and putting ourselves down, these pathways have been ran over and over again. So yes, it's gonna be easier to take those pathways, but it's not impossible to change. And a really awesome book that I have read and am rereading actually just started this morning is Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess with Dr. Caroline Leaf. She actually has a podcast called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And Ooh. she gives a lot of science-backed techniques and skills that we can use to truly rewire our thought process and the way we think. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, that's so woo-hoo. No, it's it's absolutely oh, it's not. <laughs> yeah. And it's so important. Now more than ever, it's so important that we take a drastic shift, this 180- turn that we're gonna have to take is going to impact the generations to come like we are the generation that our ancestors have been waiting for because we are going to raise conscious children that are not stuck in these patterns and not stuck in these belief systems of having to heal trauma and i think that this is how we're going to move forward as a whole but it starts with us and it starts internally and i think that it's so vulnerable for us to show up on this podcast and talk about this is, this is an actual thing that I'm still processing and I'm Mm -hmm. still working through. And I'm in rooms that I could have ever only dreamed of. I would be sitting with and talking to these people maybe a year ago or two Mm -hmm. years ago, but I'm here now. And so if I'm still having these limiting beliefs, I'm not special. Mm -hmm. I'm not different. I'm still human, and so it's so important for us to show up vulnerably. So thank you. Thank you, Shelms, for showing yeah, up course. vulnerably around your business. Also, as your client, you are a phenomenal coach, and I'm so thankful that you show up as fully as you do.
0: Thank you. That's the thing. I don't have imposter syndrome about my work. It's 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 as it relates to um, finances. Like, I'm not making multiple six figures yet because- yeah. I mean, who knows? I don't really care. This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. It's it's very interesting to be on a spiritual path and also um, running running a business within capitalism. It's very weird.
1: Yeah, we'll have to do a, an entirely different podcast episode <laughs> yeah. around capitalism and the spiritual community. And I think that this is like the second time we've brought it up. So yeah,
0: no, more maybe we'll time.
1: add that to our December list.
0: Yeah, but when it comes, what com- what came up for me is that I talked to so many people who want to start a business and the only difference between someone starting a business and someone not, of course, we don't start all at the same level. Of course, finances and, you know, disparity and socioeconomic, um, resources, you know, of course, all of that, of course, all of that. But really it's like, if you believe you can, you probably can like, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And if you believe you can't, you won't. Yeah, if you're listening to that inner critic. No, you have to be delusional. Like, you have to be delusionally confident in yourself. I was like, I'm making this work. I'm moving to Sedona. I'm quitting my job full time. I'm making six figures this year. Like, when when you start, like, deciding on bold fucking things and then they start happening, obviously not without work, then you're like, oh, like, I actually do co-create my work
1: yeah yeah aligned action another wow. another great episode yeah is there anything else coming through for you on the inner critic any final pieces of wisdom that you would love to share
0: yeah I would just say be so be so gentle with yourself hmm. um be Be as gentle as you wished your parents were with you. Hmm. Because you're your parent now. It's only you and your partner's not going to save you and your mom and dad aren't going to save you and your friends aren't going to save you. Nobody's going to save you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you deciding I am my mother and I am my father and I am going to be the best parents in the fucking world to myself. Because you deserve that.
1: Ooh, that was beautiful. That almost felt like the prayer.
0: I know. I was thinking that.
1: Um, do you feel comfortable saying saying our closing prayer this this podcast?
0: Yeah, beautiful. I like warmed up with the body speak one. Yeah, that was, that was beautiful. beautiful. Pre written. <laughs> yeah. So just taking a few deep breaths and closing the eyes. settling into your experience. I pray that we all soften. I pray that we all allow all of our parts to be with us. I pray that we have radical compassion for ourselves and for our inner critics. I pray that we have the courage to question our thoughts and the ferocity to choose different pathways. I pray that we are protective of our inner children and that we stand in our worth. And I pray that we always hold the vision for completion, and hold the vision for a more peaceful, direct experience in our minds and in our bodies. I pray that we support each other and show each other compassion, and I pray that we all find spaces to be so vulnerable and so close. And so it
1: is. And so it is. Beautiful. Thank you so much for such an unbelievably juicy episode that was dripping with goodness. (laughs) Share it with absolutely everyone because we all have an inner critic and everyone deserves to feel liberated from
0: it. Absolutely.
1: Well, this episode is complete. Thank you so much for coming back of another week yeah on mystic medicine thank you for listening we'll see you next week love you guys love you Bye.
0: Bye.
1: thank you for joining us for another medicine journey
0: be sure to follow the podcast so you never miss an episode and share and tag us on instagram at mystic medicine tribe if you loved this podcast we invite you to leave us a review okay mystic go serve your medicine